Hello, everybody. Welcome to the very first episode of Silencing Women in the Name of God. I'm your host, Devery Alice, and I am so excited that you are here. First off, what can you expect? So there's going to be a mix of two different formats here. One of the formats is going to be interviews. I have interviewed and continue to interview some of the most amazing women that you could hope to meet. I absolutely cannot wait for you guys to hear their stories, their journeys. Um, They have been just exquisitely raw and vulnerable in the reality of the pain that they have suffered finding who they are outside of this religious narrative that has told them who they are and how they're supposed to be. And then there will also be solo episodes for me that will journey through my story, but will also kind of expound on different uh, concepts that have really helped me, different things that I have learned, and really walking through, you know, how I moved from being a, a very... I mean, I would say pretty orthodox Mormon. I followed the rules. Like, I, that is what I did. Um, And I tried desperately to contort myself into an acceptable way of being that was very contrary to my nature. And then out to where I am now doing something like this podcast. (laughs) So I am so excited for you guys all to be with us, to come on this journey. And I hope that you will be able to see yourselves in these amazing beautiful women. Thank you so much for being here. I love you all. There once was a woman who lost her way. She wandered through thickets and thorns. They told her her pain was not but the price of finding her soul again. Hello and welcome to Silencing Women in the Name of God. I'm Devery Alice. So today we are going to talk about my whys. My why am I doing this? Why am I so passionate about this? What do I hope to achieve? And I think that it's going to be an interesting episode because my whys really, in my opinion, point out a lot of things that are happening within religion itself also between different religions and inside of people's personal lives that I think we all need to look at a little bit closer. So I hope you all stick around and I would absolutely love to hear what you guys think about these topics in the comments. So please, please, please uh, leave comments, leave reviews. I would really, really appreciate it. So I can honestly say that I never saw this podcast coming. Uh, I'm also working on a book. I didn't see that coming. To be completely frank, I, ah, uh, when I was in a church, I didn't understand why people who left had to talk about it because it was uncomfortable for me, right? So like, why do we have to do this? But also because in the Mormon church, that is actually taught, like it's a thing, this concept of they leave the church, but they can't leave it alone and having it be this faith affirming thing, right? Because they're so plagued by the fact that they know it's true that they have to like run around trying to destroy it. Uh, So I, I mean, that was just what I grew up with. So that was definitely in my mentality. And then when I left, I wanted to let it go because it was painful, (laughs) because it was painful. And because 
I wanted to move on. Like, I didn't want to talk about it all the time. I didn't want to allow this part of my life that had been so damaging to me to continually be a part of my life. Um, I had full intention of just working through the issues that I was having because I, I knew that I needed to do that. I could see that they were harming me. I could, I kept running up against things where I was like, Oh, like, well, what do I believe about that? I don't know. What do I believe about that? I don't know. Why do I think that? I mean, I know, but Oh my gosh, like that's going to take so much work to undo, you know, all of these, these things that I had been so indoctrinated with, uh, from the time I was born. And so I, <laughs> I definitely did not have a plan to be a, a advocate uh, on this topic. I didn't have a plan to speak out about this topic at all. And what really triggered it for me was I was watching a Netflix documentary. I was watching it on um, Orthodox, Orthodox Judaism. I think a lot of people have seen this, but I can't remember the name. Um... But I was getting more and more upset as I was watching their treatment of women because it was very familiar to me. It was it was more strict for sure. It, w- it was like a an amplified version of what I knew. And so I couldn't ignore it or soften it in the way that I had softened it in my mind and to tell myself that it was okay. So I was getting more and more and more upset about what I was seeing and I was having all of these feelings and these very old feelings that uh, had been in there for a long time. So after the show ended, I went upstairs and I took a bath and I was meditating as I usually do in the bath at night. And all of a sudden, these really beautiful words started coming to me. And that's not particularly abnormal either. It happens a lot of meditation. It also ha- happens a lot if I'm if I'm writing, um, even fiction, I'll get scenes in my head or I'll get lines of dialogue. And so I was like, okay, that's really nice. Like, I'll get back to you. Like, I'll get back to you. Um, I'll remember this. And then more words came and more words came and they were all beautiful and they were all perfect. And all of a sudden I started to panic because I was not going to remember it. It was too much. And I could feel that there was more coming. Um, And so I jumped out of the bathtub. I am, of course, dripping water everywhere. But I I mean, I'm, I'm at panic point at this point because there's so much coming. And so I wrap this towel around me. I run across the hall to get my laptop. I run back into my room and I sit down on this little chase lounge I have in there and, uh, I go to start typing and I realize that I'm dripping water all over my keyboard. And so I'm like bouncing this laptop on my knees as I'm hurriedly like wiping my hands and my forearms off so that I stop dripping. The rest of me is just dripping everywhere because I have not dried off. So I am just in a panic to start typing. And I'm going to read to you guys what came out of this little session. Um... It came out almost exactly the way I'm going to read it to you. I I changed a couple of words here and there, but all the changes were the small ones like an instead of a or or instead of, you know, something comparable. So it really is basically exactly what came out. And I'm going to go ahead and make sure that I have this written um, and posted on my website. So if any of you guys want to take a look at it, look at it again, you can go ahead and go over there. Uh, Here we go. 
When I speak of silencing women, I'm not referring to speech. No. In fact, the sound of their words is simply the expression of their voices, not their voice itself. What I'm speaking of is the silencing of their souls, their spirit, their divine expression. I'm referring to the things they came here to say and do and think. I am referencing the destruction of the potential of all things, this mighty divine potential that arrived wrapped up in the shape of an infant. When we silence that, what is the cost? I truly believe the figure is so unfathomable that if we sat down to calculate all that never was, we would weep together as a planet in a way we never have before. The grieving would spread from shoreline to shoreline as every man, woman, and child mourned the lost contributions of women from every race and every continent, wondering what this world might have been. And if all was laid bare, many would ask, why? Why didn't these women stand up and fight? Why did they allow it? Some do. But for many of us, the problem starts at the beginning. The horrific silencing of our women starts when we are far too young to understand what's happening. If you take a baby bird and remove its flight feathers, burn the ending so they can't grow back, the bird will still look like a bird. It will sing and warble and cry out, but it will never fly. The tragedy is that it will never know the measure of its creation and will likely be unaware of its calling. It won't go looking for flight because it won't know what it's missing. And in those rare instances where instinct takes over and it spreads its wings, leaping to the air for reasons it doesn't understand, only to come crashing down, the lesson will be reinforced. You are a flightless bird. The skies were never meant for you. To look upward is dangerous, to look down is safety. Live well, little bird, and we will feed you and clothe you and listen to your pretty song, not of captivity, but of the music we say is well-deserving of praise the notes of which are surely a greater gift from God than soaring through the clouds above. After I finished that, I read it over and over and over again. And every time I read it, I got chills through my whole body. The impact of these words that came through me that I don't even think I can claim because it literally came through me but the impact cannot be overstated. This shifted everything for me because what it did was it made me look at things that I wasn't looking at all the way. I started to look at all of the great, amazing things that we have done throughout history. I, all the inventions, all the technology, you know, technological advances, the music, the compositions, the performances, the art, like every single thing that we can look at and be like, wow, wow, like a human being did that, right? And how many of those were male, not because men are smarter or brighter, or more brilliant or more artistic, but because they had the opportunity, because women were told 
for hundreds of years, more than that, but we'll go with hundreds, women were told that is not your place, right? That is not your duty. We don't need to to open up those parts of your mind. But to think that the same gifts were not laying dormant, latent, or just, you know, completely oppressed down, even when someone tried to access those in the mind of a woman is asinine. Like, I think I feel pretty comfortable in saying that we have lost a good 50% of the contributions to society because they were in a woman's brain. And that is a travesty. It is, it is just, it makes me physically ill. And so that was really the start of this in righteous indignation that I felt igniting within me. And I still was like, I feel it, I see it, but like, good Lord, I do not want to do this. Oh, I don't want to do this. Because uh, I knew what I was walking into, guys. I have been on social media long enough. I have been an author for long enough. Like, I am, I'm a little too aware of what I'm walking into. And so I really was fighting this. Um, but the longer I sat in this, the more that I just... I could not deny the feelings that I was having, that this was something I needed to pursue. Um, and it took me a long time. It took me a very, very long time. To be fair, I am always a slow decider. Like it takes me a while to like weigh, weigh things out. And then I'm like, all right, let's do this. But this was different. Like this wasn't me just negotiating my own, you know, like, is this a good idea? Is this logical? Or... Um, I'm really terrified of this. Like I could fail. This was so much more than that. This was, am I going to lose my entire family? Am I going to have to move houses because I'm surrounded by people that I know, people that went to the same church as I did? Um, you know, am I going to have to stop teaching voice lessons because I teach singing lessons still. I don't have a ton of students because I keep, I keep cutting it back because I keep doing other things. But, you know, am I going to have to not do that anymore? Like, are my kids going to be upset? Are my kids going to not want me to do this? Um, just everything. Like, the cost on this was honestly, honestly, the potential cost of starting this podcast was higher than me leaving the Mormon church and that cost was astronomical. I mean, well, let me rephrase that. That that had the potential to be astronomical. Um, it, I mean, I definitely, I definitely lost things and things have shifted, but it could have been a lot worse. And this was the potential to make sure that it indeed was worse. Like that's what I was, and I had to negotiate that and I had to accept the potential cost in order to move forward. And I'm telling you this not for pity, not so you'll feel bad for me, but I just want you to understand, like I am not doing this because I'm just angry at the Mormon church. I'm not doing this because, you know, I can't let it go. Like I'm not doing this because I want fame and fortune and I think it'd be a good time. I'm doing this because I don't see another choice in the matter. <laughs> This is something that I feel incredibly called to and incredibly passionate about because I want to, I want to open 
opportunities for people who don't currently feel like they have them. Because that's a really hard lesson to learn, to, to understand that although it feels like you don't have a choice, that you do. Uh, and that's something I'm still learning daily. <laughs> it is a hard, it is a hard thing to learn. I actually, I had a, I had a rough experience, um, with some people who really bring out the old me. Like <laughs> I really, old me is very different than new me. And when you are around people and places that, that are so intertwined with your youth, uh, it's hard. Like it triggers a lot of things. And so I was, I was with this group of people for five days and I was talking to a friend after I got back and I was, you know, just talking about what happened and, and I was not in a good place. I was not in a good place. And it was so funny because she said to me, she was like, well, and you stayed the whole time. And there was this pause, this like hesitation. And what went through my head was that was an option. I could just, like, I could just leave. I could just change my mind and just go. Like, I I had a choice. I wasn't stuck. And of course I did. Of course I did. But I didn't see it at the time. So um, that is, like, this is all part of my why. And then as I dove in deeper and started actually, you know, digging away at this, when I started um, writing chapters for this book and I wrote a nonfiction book proposal for this book, and uh, I, I was having to expand further and further of like, okay, where does this impact? What do I want to talk about? Where do I want this to hit? And I, I came up with a lot of beautiful, amazing things that I'm really excited for the, for the book to address. Uh, and then when it came into my like field of awareness that a podcast needed to be part of this, um, at first, I was really, really overwhelmed because I never in a million years saw myself doing this either. <laughs> um, but the podcast itself does fulfill a little bit of a different role than the book. Like it's it's uh, interesting and I was excited about it because what what this podcast can do and this has become part of my my passion again, like something I was not aware of that now is just so obvious to me when we have women like ourselves who are struggling to find our voices, struggling to find our way out of what is an oppressive situation, uh, struggling to find ourselves because maybe maybe we don't even know who that was. Maybe we've never found them. Maybe ourselves is a huge mystery to us. And we have taken this leap off of this cliff. We do not have a parachute. We do not know what's going to happen. We do not know how hard we're going to hit the ground. And then once we hit the ground, we find out that we are still lost and confused and in pain and that there's a lot of work to do and we are alone, most of us. We are alone because so much of our community was faith-based because a lot of religions, like that is how it's constructed, right? Like we don't go to our neighbors anymore for things. We go to our church members. And I, I actually, I had a profound realization about this because I was talking to my um, brother-in-law who him and his wife had also left the Mormon church. And, and so we were just talking and, and he was like, well, I mean, it does serve purposes, right? That are important and needs to be met. And I was like, okay, like what? 
And he was like, well, community, you know, like it's, it, it plays a huge role in having someone to call when you're sick or if you need help with childcare or, you know, you need someone to talk to or whatever, like that, that community based aspect is really important. Like humans need that. We need that. It's very healthy. And something hit me wrong, but I I couldn't put my finger on it because technically he was correct. And I was like, okay. Um, But something was like, it was like sandpaper rubbing inside. I was like, I'm not seeing something. Something's wrong here. And the more I thought about it, I realized that from where I'm standing, and I'm sure someone's going to put a message that this is completely off base and that's okay. But from where I'm standing, what it appears to me is that community used to be community. Like you would go to your neighbor or like if it was a village, right? Like you would all help each other out. Um, You would, like there was the woman that was the mama to the village, right? Like all the kids, they, she just got along really well with them. There would be someone who was the the counselor of the women, right? Like anyone who's anyone goes to her if, if anything is going wrong. Like they all gather food together. Like they all check on each other. Like community was a thing for a really long time. And then religion really circumvented that. And I think religion really broke that because all of a sudden what was created was this us versus them mentality, right? So whatever religion you're in, it, I don't really know that it matters all that much. I mean, there's, there's, there's some I'm sure that are healthy, so I never want to say never, but there's a, there's an us versus them and othering that happens. That's like, well, my neighbor isn't a Christian, right? Or my neighbor isn't a Mormon. uh, And so I don't, I'm not sure that they're amazing people, so I'm going to call so-and-so from my congregation. And that amplified until, like, the congregation became the community. And we stopped talking to our neighbors. We just talked to our, our church members. And so I, th- I think that this sense of community has been completely lost. And because it was lost through the art of othering, Um, For those of you who are not familiar, I think this is becoming a pretty mainstream term, but I'm going to just break it down for anyone who's not sure what that means. Um, Othering is the concept that we as human beings are, we kind of come hardwired not to harm other human beings. Um, Definitely, like this concept, I believe, was um, originated with the idea that we won't kill another human being. It's just abhorrent to us. Like that's not within a, an inherent moral code, but that we will kill another human being, but only once that person has been othered. And you see this time and time again throughout history. So, um, you know, you've got the world wars where the the countries that we were fighting were othered. They were generalized. They were made into caricatures. They were made... Um, to be abhorrent to us. And so that way, like the soldiers could actually kill another human being without the moral cost of that, supposedly. Um, And so that as a nation, we wouldn't be like, this is terrible. Like we can't keep doing this. Like we're killing hundreds of thousands of people. It was okay because they were othered. Um, This happened German Holocaust. Like it's over and over and over again in history. You will see it as far back. It's like, it's just very common thing. Um, 
but the other that othering happens on on a like a sliding scale. Like there's a lot of ways that we can other, and within religions, we other any other religion or people who are not a part of it. And some of that othering can be very mild. Like some of it looks like pity, right? Like, oh man, they're such good people. It's just such a shame that they aren't part of the right religion. Um, down to like really dangerous othering, like where they think that these people are dangerous or untrustworthy or whatever it is. So because of othering, this causes a big problem for these women who have jumped off of this cliff and are landing and realize that they are completely alone because now we need somewhere to turn, but we've stepped away from our community. So suddenly that congregation that we would call, we no longer can call, but we haven't talked to our neighbors. So either a, we don't know them or B we happen to know that like neighbor to the right is a Muslim and neighbor to the left is Catholic and neighbor in front is born again, Christian and I'm Mormon. And so there's this belief system hidden in there that none of these women would understand. Um, even if these women are not part of that religion anymore, right? Like they won't understand because we don't have the same experience. And what I've learned as I started talking to people and I've mentioned this a couple of times in the interviews with people is we are all having the same experience. The manifestations are a little different with tweaks. Sure. There are, there are certain things that hit harder than others based on what uh, religion you're in. There are, uh, the oppression is different, like topic wise, right? So like one, one religion might, the oppression might really be on a self-worth um, scale. And perhaps another one is on uh, where we don't feel like we have the freedom to make choices, right? That we need to check with God with everything and we lose complete faith and trust in ourselves. Like there's just, there's, there's all of these different areas where it's going to hit us harder. But overall, the teachings and the concepts, when we break them all the way down to the base levels, are the same. They are the same. And once we can start seeing that, once we can start listening, hopefully to the interviews on this podcast, where I'm talking to people of, you know, multiple different faiths and talking to them about their experience, that those listening will be like, wow, I see myself in all of these women. I see similar pain as to what I've suffered in all of these women. Because if we can do that, the othering starts to fall away and we will find that we actually have access to a very large community of people just like us that we can help and support and lift each other up. And when we can do that, we will start accessing the potential of the feminine in a beautiful, holy way. Now, I think for a second if I wanted to use the word holy, but I really, really did because when we access our potential, we are accessing our divine soul. We are accessing who we actually are. And that is magnificent. I, oh, oh man. Okay, I'm going to go into feminism just for a second and I'm a little nervous about this one. Okay. Because, but I, I think it, I think it ties in for sure. I didn't used to identify as a feminine, which is so embarrassing. Uh, but it was because it had been kind of demonized to me. Um, and because 
what I had seen were the, the very, very, man, what would it be? Like uh, fringe, like the fringe movements that were very, very extreme. And there were things that I saw that I was like, I just don't, like, I just don't understand that. But what I realized was feminism to me, what I think feminism is, is, I mean, equality, obviously, like equal opportunities, but really the ability to, as a female, to honor myself completely and to move through life with autonomy and with sovereignty. And in order to do that, doors need to be open, right? Um, that doesn't mean that I can be a fireman even though I'm a woman because, listen, I just don't have the strength right now. I'm kind of out of, I, I would fail that test as I should. Now, if I wanted to train for it, like, fine, the door should be open for me to try, right? Um, but feminism in my life and my belief system can come about from this connection of all of these women from different backgrounds lifting and supporting each other up because what it function as what it can function as is a springboard right a springboard to to push us all just a little bit higher with the support of one another uh and just being courageous that I can do that and I am worthy of that and there is something special within me that needs to be explored regardless of what that is I'm not talking about some huge, crazy mission. I'm talking about any damn thing that lights you up inside. And I don't think that feminism is something where we tell one another what we can't do. Um, I, have a, I have a dear friend of mine who we've had multiple talks about this because she is struggling because she wants to... Um, dress a certain way and she wants to have her hair look nice and she wants to wear makeup and there's there's more to this story than this but if we boil it down into just super simple terms uh, she doesn't feel like she can be a feminist and do things that in her mind were built to attract the male gaze and my consistent argument on this is feminism should be freedom we should be looking for freedom. So if you want to wear red lipstick because red lipstick makes you happy and not because you're only thinking about the fact that Joe from the office likes red lipstick, right? If you're doing it because you want to and because the face in the mirror represents who you feel like you are on the inside, then as a feminist, you get to wear whatever damn lip color you want to wear. And I know that this is such a simple, silly example but I think it does play into all of this. Like if we step away from a belief system, like we can pick up and keep whatever parts of that we want. We can do things that were forbidden to us because we know inside that this is part of who we are, that this is for us. We don't feel that there's a moral problem here. Being able to honor ourselves completely across the board, I think is is critical and is a critical part of this. Now I'm not saying, <laughs> I hate that I have to make this caveat, but I'm going to have to. I am not saying that I want to do this podcast so that we can honor ourselves no matter what our desires are, including our desires 
being, you know, harming others or destroying people's lives or I, it, when we are true to ourselves, when we are honoring ourselves, when we are no longer oppressed, when we are supported by those around us, when our thoughts and feelings and experiences are honored, when our voices are found and unlocked, when we can speak freely, what happens is we can love freely. Suddenly we can love ourselves in a way that we have never loved ourselves before. And when that happens, it unlocks every other thing in us. And what it doesn't do is it doesn't cause us to continue to react and lash out out of places of shame, fear, anger, or hatred. When we really get this under control, when we really settle into these places, all of those things that would cause poor selfish decisions to happen, they fall away as a natural result of this process. So no, I am not saying we are, I am encouraging women to dangerously follow horrible impulses. I am saying that if we honor women and if we honor ourselves and if we support each other and if we find who we are, that we will do nothing but add to this world in the most beautiful, spectacular, glorious ways. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider taking the time to like, rate, review, and share. Let's make sure that when someone clicks on this podcast, that our voices are the loudest. Love you all.